You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. This is Burke. It snows nine months of the year and hails the other three. Any food that grows here is tough and tasteless. The people that grow here are even more so. The only upsides are the <laughs> While other places have ponies or parrots, we have dragons. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I am not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. And today, we are talking about the dragon. <laughs> and we have a special guest. We do. Yes, his name is, and you've probably heard him on our show before, Mr. Cotton Shorts, who is a dragon rancher who hails from a tiny farming town near Roswell, New Mexico. Welcome, Cotton! Yay! Hello, Mr. Shorts. Welcome back. Nice to be back. Nice to be back. Yeah, great. Yes, we've branched out into dragons. (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of questions about that. Certainly do. Well, yeah. It's been a while, you know, import-export laws. (laughs) Yeah. We weren't sure whether to put them down under animals or explosives. Well, we understand that you, we understand you went to college and spent some time overseas studying dragon ranching at Horticultural College. Yeah, it was sort of a mistake. I was going down to visit my cousins in Paris, Texas, and I did not realize that the price jump on the airline ticket was going to land me in France. <laughs> wow! So you just signed up for some courses when you were there. Well, it was more on the order of an apprenticeship and working my way back, sort of an indentureship. Gotcha. I see. You know, you get over there and then it's like, well, what, what kind of expertise do you have that you can afford to pay for this plane ticket back home? Well, I said, I deal with things that uh, that um, fly and go boom. And they said, oh, we got the, we got the show for you. And so uh, they sent me down to this, uh, they sent me down to the Ardennes, um, which, as it turns out, is not a den, but a forest. And... <laughs> So, by the way, if you ever go to France, they will try to feed you something called escargot. They do not tell you what it is beforehand. <laughs> and so I, I spent some time updating my uh, my licensures for the Society for Animals that Detonate in Incinerate. <laughs> yeah, and you already have plenty of experience with that with the uh, the jackalopes. Jackalopes are, in fact, explosive. Uh, one of the reasons that we were unable to get the license to bring them over to the United States was, for one thing, no one knows where our county is. <laughs> and for the other thing is, we've already got things that creep, crawl, and explode. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Society for Things that Detonate and Incinerate? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you got to have proper licensing if you're going to be dealing with animals that are potentially catastrophic. So the licensing went all went well, and you're all up to date, and, and you're doing your continuing education, and, and everything is good, though, right? Yes, there aren't any more complaints. <laughs> oh, that's at good. At least of all, because at least one of the uh, 
people doing the audit survived. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> well, all right, we're going to hear about that and a lot more. So just for a reminder to our listeners, everybody, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at, at Varmint's Podcast, all one word, and at Varmint's Podcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. If you like our show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. Now, let's go learn about dragons. Whoa! <laughs> Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. And we are learning about dragons today. Dragons are a reptile species in the Varanidae family, which also includes Komodo dragons and the crocodile monitor. If you haven't listened to the episode we did on Komodo dragons, go check it out. It's episode 33. And it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> dragons are native to parts of northern Europe and Scandinavia, and those species are referred to as the western dragons. There are also some dragon species that are native to China and parts of Asia, and those species are referred to as eastern dragons. A dragon is very recognizable. They have a large head, long neck, broad shoulders, thick legs, and a strong tail. Some have very large wings, making them the only living reptile that is capable of flight. They are also well known by their ability to breathe fire when agitated, which makes study and research and training of these animals very, very hazardous and difficult, which means we don't really know all that much about them. And that's why we have uh, Mr. Cotton Shorts here today with us. Right. And it's just the Western dragons that dream that uh, breathe fire, typically. The Eastern ones occasionally will, but mostly they don't. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, only when something has gone catastrophically wrong. <laughs> pretty much. But eastern dragons will can call rain down, so that's pretty useful. Oh, wow. Well, that's yeah. handy. Yep, it's all about having a massive ability to become endothermic. <laughs> they cool themselves down like a refrigerator and do condenses on them. That is really cool. Wow. That's amazing. Yep. It's apparently some kind of capillary action. And uh, I'm sure you can confirm this later on. Scientists think that an average average dragon stands anywhere from 6 to 15 feet tall at the shoulder, and they are generally covered in scales. Does that sound about right? So far, dragons generally keep growing throughout their lives. Oh, okay. oh I didn't know that. And so, yes. Uh, well, yeah, you end up, well, you got your small ones, and then you got your medium-sized ones, and then you've got your big ones, and then you've got the ones that cause earthquakes when they... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there can't be many of those around anymore, are there? Uh, you've ever been to Italy? I never have. Yeah, no. well, <laughs> well the la they had one down there, but his name was Vesuvi. Oh, I oh, didn't know. Oh, yeah. I see. I did not know that that was the... Pompeii thing was a big dragon. Yeah, it was all, it was some kind of Pompeii circumstance. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Dragon males and females are just called dragons. Baby dragons are called whelps, whelplings, or dragonlings. A group of baby dragons is called a brood. A group of dragons is called a flight, but also a thunder and sometimes a burnination. <laughs> The word dragon was first seen in the English language in the early 13th century from the old French word dragon, 
Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Which in turn comes from the Latin word draconum and ancient Greek dracon, which both of those words mean huge serpent. Well, yeah, a huge serpent. Although, if you take a look at an actual dragon, one of the few, well, practically the only vertebrate that has six limbs, it looks like basically some uh, a turkey swallowed a crocodile. <laughs> we had one of those for uh, for dinner one time. It's a instead of a turd duck, and we had a a turvdillion. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, you know, it's like sometimes animals animals happen that way. Uh, you know, they they are both egg laying creatures after a fashion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although sometimes the egg laying more resembles the bombing of Dresden. <laughs> oh, dear. Jeez. The, the English terms, there's the French terms for everything. You've got the, you know, you, the, well, the reason they call them whelps is because when you see one, you go, well, there's a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a group of unhatched eggs is called a clutch. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, when they finally do hatch, you call it a crisis because you know mama's coming home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I would imagine so. Yeah, and then when they all get off and they're running all these different directions, it's called a calamity. <laughs> sure. I, yeah, that makes sense. And then when they do that when they're growing up, it's called a catastrophe. <laughs> oh, I imagine it would be. <laughs> Yeah. Oh gosh. So yeah, there's all sorts of different kinds. You know, they 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 they, they modify. They they've got a relatively extensive um, set of DNA, and they adapt rather rapidly to whatever their circumstances are. You know, protective coloration, that sort of thing. You know, just in case you can't see the thing the size of the house coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's helpful. <laughs> Well, on that note, let's talk about a little bit of dragon anatomy. So I set out to learn a little bit about dragon scales, you know? I'd read stories about dragon scales being used as shields in the Middle Ages and stuff, because they're so strong. And I found out that on the Mohs scale of hardness, dragon scales are actually harder than diamond. Wow. Which is interesting because that means that you can only inscribe them or manipulate them in any way with a dragon talon. So it's the hardest substance on the planet, harder than diamond. But it's not on the scale. I don't know why it's not on there, but it's not. You ever tried getting one off a dragon to put it on a scale? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But Moe's scale of hardness, it's not listed, so just so you know, it's harder than diamond. I suppose they probably just don't list it because in terms of stuff that you can get to use in industry, it seems like something that's not particularly available. So. Plus, I believe the Moe's scale of hardness only applies to things that are actually not alive. Yeah, that's true as well, so <laughs> yeah. there you go. Yeah, the problem is, you know, those things are hard, and when they rub up against each other, they end up getting sharp edges over a period of time. Yes. Yeah, yes. so you, basically you're walking around with something that whenever it sneezes turns into a ba basic a pine cone of razor blades. Ah, that's <laughs> Wow. <great. laughs> well, also, dragon scales are used by the dragon as a defense mechanism because of their hardness. And young, vulnerable dragons use the tactics of they flare their scales out, like he was saying, to appear more threatening. And if the tactics fail, their scaly offer will offer them protection as far as, like, its armor, right? Sure. Its large body is covered in steel-hard scales, 
Well, as we said, it's much harder than steel, but I'm, I'm looking at my notes. I should have corrected that. But this works as, um, a, you know, your defense mechanism. The softer, sensitive body is protected on the inside, and they can withstand potentially devastating damages, such as direct sword blows. But I've also read that they can withstand, certain species of dragon can withstand a hit from a missile, from a surface-to-air missile. Do you know anything about that? Well, that would be because, well, partially the thing about dragons is that they're fairly compartmentalized. I mean, doesn't matter how big your wings are, if you are something the size of a house, you don't fly unless you're relatively buoyant. And surface-to-air missiles <laughs> don't actually hit and penetrate the target. What they do is they create a concussion wave and throw out shrapnel and things like that. And dragons mm-hmm. basically being, you know, for all the hardness they have on the outside, they're fairly cartilaginous on the inside. And so ah. they ripple. Oh, I see. If you ever watched hmm. a water balloon in slow motion, you will see what I mean. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Wow. It's like an armored dirigible with an attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it turns out that dragons can also change their scale color. Uh, They they inherit their scale color from their parents, the same way that we inherit hair color and stuff. Um, And you can tell by their scales if a dragon is healthy or not. When they're ill, the scales turn all dull and muted, and a healthy dragon has really nice, shiny scales. So... They're teardrop-shaped, and they lay staggered and overlapping. And the chest scales are the largest. They have a squarish shape on the chest, and they lay in flaps. They run down from the throat, down to the belly, to the tail, and they make a slight scraping sound when the dragon walks. I didn't know that. Kind of like a snake. Yeah. 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 So they can make the scales stand out, as, as Cotton mentioned before. Or, and they can do this to cool off as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So they can also change colors during mating season to attract their mates. And they have a similar kind of pigment in their cells to the animal that we talked about on our show before, the chameleon. They can also change, if they, if they live in an area long enough, they start to take on the, the, the appearance of the local fauna or flora. And mostly it's due to what they have in their diet. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they tend to blend in, you know, at least as far as they can. They spend a lot of time sleeping and are frequently mistaken for hills. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Interesting. <laughs> well, Paul, you're going to talk to us about wings a little bit of the dragon. That, yes. I can't wait. I've been waiting for this all week. So you uh, studied in France. That means you probably have a lot of mostly Western dragons. Is that right, Cotton? Oh, oh yeah, they were mostly Western dragons. Okay. At least, you know, so, as far as I could tell, most of them were speaking French. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I didn't know as that they, they do. could talk. <laughs> so, yeah, your Western dragons probably have very, very large wings. And you might wonder how can wings allow such a big animal to fly? And it's because these wings are supported in four places to the body, as opposed to like birds' wings that are only supported in two places. So wings that are that big and have that kind of anchorage can lift and maintain a dragon's big body in flight. Eastern dragons do sometimes have wings, but mostly they fly by magical means. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. The wing is usually bigger than the dragon's entire body, and that is to accommodate its mass, is to get it up off the ground. Right. 
The bone structure of the wing is similar to a human hand, and it's quite a lot like a bat wing. It has a, a humerus, an elbow joint, a wrist, and a phalanx, or like those big finger bones that stick out. Oh, wow. Picture like a, an arm with long fingers that are kind of doing jazz hands, and that's yeah. a dragon wing. Nice. Yeah. Mr. Shorts is going to talk to us about the thing that I really have been curious about all week, and I've been I've been really having a hard time preventing myself from doing research on it, but I managed it, and that is what everybody wants to know. How is it that dragons can shoot flyer, fire out of their faces? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Well, it has to do with the, what they eat, you see. Um, it turns out that, they, that, that they're basically uh, arborivores. They eat trees. Uh, and, <laughs> okay. And wood. Oh, okay. A great dragon is basically a, a uh, an alchemical factory on on feet. You, you feed it wood, and it goes down in the guts there, and the uh, digester basically <laughs> separates out all the cellulose. And the byproducts of separating out cellulose are um, hydrogen, which it puts into the vessels that run along run around through its body. And, and they make it lighter than it otherwise would be. Ah. And then when a dragon takes off, it literally gets low blood pressure. <laughs> its <laughs> vessels expand, and that allows it to float a little bit. And then it uses what's left of the cell. This is why dragons are not very active most of the time, is because they're digesting. Uh, they keep a store of the, of the raw carbon, like graphite. Well, huh. now if you're a... Flying dirigible that is filled with hydrogen. The last thing you want is flame near your body. But they can eject this powdered um, graphene at very high velocities. And it goes out and it creates what's called a powder explosion. Which means it blows up away from the dragon. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) That's useful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, they, they do, they spark it with their teeth, which have a great deal, you know, which are harder than their scales, which they spark pretty well. And then the electrical charge runs along until it gets to a point where there's enough vapor in between the particles for it to explode. And then it goes off with a hoof. Oh. And, a hoof. Yeah. And it's, again, it's part of their feeding cycle. I mean, obviously they use it for self-defense and self-offense and the occasional, um, <laughs> pillaging. Um, yeah. but is that what is that the self offense you were talking about the pillaging yeah. and, and like raiding villages and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, they, self offense. Well, there's reasons for that too, which have to do with the way the mechanism works. But one of the things they do with it, they start forest fires because it's a lot easier for them to cook their food. <laughs> so they don't only eat trees. Do they also eat like sheep and goats and horses and and knights on horseback and stuff? They'll eat pretty much anything that moves that gets in front of them. That they, you know, they're large creatures. Right? They need a lot of feeding. The cellulose is a is a is a primary food source, but they're also obligate scavengers. And anything that's smaller than they are looks like it's already dead to them. Ah. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, they, they've been known to sack and pillage towns. They're particularly fond of going after medieval churches or any place where there's a lot of gold. And it's not because oh, they're yeah. particularly greedy. It's because they need the cop or they need the, uh, the conductive metal in order to stay properly grounded. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. When you spit out a great deal of graphene at very high velocities, it creates a static charge 
And if you don't, if you don't have some way to disperse that, it backs up into the system, and you get something on the order of the Tuskenga explosion. <laughs> that sounds like some pretty dangerous farts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Gas. Well, one of the problems we had when we brought them over to, you know, started bringing them over here is we discovered that dragons and hot peppers do not mix. Oh. <laughs> it did solve our some of our problems. We we now have a lake <laughs> where the crater oh, is. Cool. Um, <laughs> you can't hardly live in New Mexico without eating chilies, but you can't let uh, chili powder anywhere near a dragon. Um, like most thing, like most creatures out there, they seem to be most attracted to that as which is most lethal to them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you if your gut basically consists of sulfuric acid, then the last thing you want is something that's going to give you indigestion. Yeah. Wow. We call that one the Great Burrito Explosion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about this for a minute. Disclaimer time. The Varmint's podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Don and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. It would seem to me that dragons probably have some sort of intelligence. They know where to go raid villages. They know where the, the golden, you know, and the magical books are hidden so that they can hoard them away in their cave. But how smart are they, really? Well, dragons are good, very good at being dragons. Um, the reason they go after ancient uh, temples and so on and so forth is because they know it's easier than digging the gold up themselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like lying on the surface. Um, yeah. You know, so like I said, they're opportunistic. They, uh, I, you know, it's like, and they can talk after a fashion, but mostly what they do is they repeat stuff that they heard. Now, the problem is they live so long that some of the stuff they're repeating to you is in ancient Gaelic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like having a conversation where you're waiting for the earth to go around the sun before you get an answer. Uh, sure. Um, I suppose so what you're saying is they're like a big parrot with impenetrable skin and dangerous farts. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it wouldn't be any fun if it was safe. <laughs> <laughs> so on a scale of one to ten, it's entirely arbitrary. It's not yep. not a super reliable scale. But what do you think? How, how intelligent are they? Well, we'll just go ahead and, well, you know, well, what's a good number for a dragon? Um, we'll I was going to give him a seven. I was going to say right up there with ravens and crows, like yeah. seven or eight. Super intelligent. Yeah, they're probably about that. Likely to raid your village. We'll, we'll, go, we'll call it a 7.25. Oh, okay. Sounds <laughs> good to me. I like it. They are. Hey, look. I'll take the master's rating over mine any day. Absolutely. Yeah. You think that's fun? You should try putting a saddle on one. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't exactly put them on a 747 and bring them back over here. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, you're, you're you're flying along. You know, you got more or less got to bring them back manually. Yeah. <laughs> well, how did you get yours over here? Oh well, we took it in stages. Okay. Yeah, we landed in Greenland and then to Iceland and then Newfoundland. Actually, I think it might have been Iceland first. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Greenland, and then Newfoundland. All the lens. Uh, yeah, 
Now, you know, we, we had to stop at all the volcanic sites around there to warm them back up again. They can't okay. get too cold. You know, and you had to ship in a couple of cords of wood to every place you want to land. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we, we came down south and put it in a new pen and, you know, figured out that they, they're fine with pinon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is pretty much what you got down there as far as scrubland goes. Yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> cool. Well, we, um, we're going to have to, you know, we're just going to pretty much skip our pop culture segment this week. And it's mostly because, ladies and gentlemen, Var Minions, if you guys want to see pop culture with dragons in it, Google the word dragon and you will find yeah. it. There yeah. is, there are books, there are movies, there's mythology, there are plays, there are records, there's bands, there's anything you can think of that's pop culture-ish has some sort of a dragon thing attached to it. Go out yes. there and look and you will find it. Yep, and I, I opened the show with a clip from the movie How to Train Your Dragon, and that is my personal favorite uh, dragon pop culture thing, so go watch that, it's really good. Yep, I think my personal favorite is probably Smaug from The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep, well, is that in right? the yeah. most, yeah, in the most recent one. Interdict Bandersnatch? Yep, yep. Yep, that that's him. That's the one. <laughs> so, you know, if, there, if you want it, go find it. It's out there. Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? You know, going into this, I thought I would probably want to try a uh, dragon, but I don't, I'm don't. i not so sure now. Well, I mean, eating dragon is, you know, you got to do something with the bits. <laughs> I mean, I'm just worried about the, uh, the whole gut bacteria, you know, sulfur thing that you were talking about. I, I think that might make the meat a little bit, I don't know, gamey. Well, I think the main thing that he's trying to avoid talking about is that he's got this weird thing about anal glands. Oh, and yeah, it's the since anal glands. Dragons have anal glands. And no, he's convinced don't. that none of the animals he eats have anal glands, which. <laughs> oh, they got anal I mean, glands, all right. It's a continuing argument. Oh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like when they, when they get overpressure, that's one of the ways they release it. Oh, see, yeah, with the you know the anal glands, I'm not gonna. I that that does it for me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna eat that. You can, you can get dragon tail. It tastes kind of like squid, and if you run a couple of eggs over it, I mean, it's kind of rubbery. That's that yeah. because they can expand and contract more or less at will. You mm. do got to make sure you descale them first. Well, yeah. <laughs> that that makes sense. What do you descale them with? Other scales? Pretty much. Or the talons? Yeah. Well, you know, the, most that like like a lot of these creatures, they require a great deal that, that that take up a lot of energy. They're most of their more in, uh, more interesting properties go away fairly quickly once they're dead. So, you know, once you've gone, you, then you can more or less you can peel them up, and you get the whole skin off in a single piece. You know, and then you've got this big old thing full of scales. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, you got the meat, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta gut them properly. Otherwise, you know, because they got get gut pile out there, and you know, you gotta do something with the with the with the fermenter before, you know, it hits critical mass. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> we we tend to sell them off to the people who are uh, who clean electronics parts. <laughs> Gosh, that, that seems like an awful lot of work. 
It really does. Yeah, well, fluorine, <laughs> being what it is. <laughs> well, sure. I think I'm going to say no. I probably wouldn't eat it mostly because it's a reptile and I'm just not. I'm not about eating reptiles. So. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, hello, Paul. Don, it's me, Billy Lee Campbell. Oh, hey, Billy Lee. And I'm here to ask you a question. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Well, let's help you win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the Animal Fact of the Week. Back to you, Paul and Donna. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an interesting fact that I found out about dragons, and that is... Did you know that dragons were not around when the dinosaurs were running around on the earth? Really? Yep. Dragons are reptiles and they evolved after the extinction of the dinosaurs. They are not older in the fossil record than crocodiles and those guys. They are comparatively young to our planet. I did not know that. I always just assumed that they were like dinosaurs that survived the the mass extinction nope they have wow. almost nothing in in common with di- with dinosaurs with the big dinosaurs they have only got stuff in common with the ancient reptiles and that's their genetic legacy they are not avian they are reptiles and so no dinosaurs no di- no dragon sores in the dinosaur era. <laughs> wow. Any of them, and that's a long time. But yeah, they're not dinosaurs. I had no idea. I didn't know either. I just thought that they must be, but no. Nope. Sure. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They are certainly uh, strange creatures. They basically evolved to take over several niches at once when the dinosaurs died off, which is how they got to be so strange. <laughs> ah, yeah. that makes sense. That's a lot like most of the other reptiles. So what'd you find out, Paul? I found out that, you know how dragons just pretty much hoard piles of gold and treasure and stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, they found abandoned dragon dens that... They found different things that dragons hoard uh, besides the gold and the treasure and stuff. I thought it was really interesting. So some of the things that <laughs> dragons like to hoard are the Cadbury eggs, but <laughs> but only the original cream ones that look like real eggs. They don't like the other flavors. They just burn them up. <laughs> they also hoard 12 packs of Tangerine LaCroix. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, that, that would explain why I don't can't find it in my local grocery store. <laughs> That's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. (laughs) They found one den that was just filled with left-sided socks. Like, just the left ones. Yeah. They found another den that was just filled with lost tubes of assorted flavored chapstick. (laughs) You know, you'd think it just rolled under your seat and you never see it again. That's because a a dragon took it while you weren't looking. Oh, wow. Peanut butter and onion sandwiches. They apparently like those a lot. They'll hoard those away. Hmm. And uh, vintage cars, specifically Chevrolets for some reason. They, they like those and they'll hoard them away in their dens. That's because it sounds French. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chevrolet sounds like Chevalier, which is French for night. So That's probably why they like them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I've known, it, uh, I've known a dragon or two in the last little while. 
Uh, one thing you got to be really careful of when it comes to dragons is, you know, temperature control. Um, being large, I mean, if you get the problem with bringing them to a place like New Mexico in particular is that they have high temperature swings during the day and they cool down at night and they warm up again in the daytime. Well, this is an animal that is partially flight based on its uh, on its interior density, on its on its basic gaseous buoyancy, and that changes <laughs> sure. rapidly with rapid changes in temperature. So you pretty much have to tether your dragons <laughs> down if you're going to have a heat wave. <laughs> Otherwise, it starts looking. You start after a while. You're out there, and it starts looking like a Macy's Day parade. <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't laugh. Poor dragons. Yeah, they're floating around down there. That doesn't sound comfortable. No, not at all. <laughs> well, there are some real challenges to ranching dragons. Yep, there's yeah. a real challenge for it. You know, you're 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 in it for you're in it for the for the animals though for the conservation. Now, there's not a whole lot of space left in Europe, and yeah. so you have to bring them out here where there's some left over, and so we're like we're, we're wondering given the creature's capacity for flight. Why they never migrated over here in the first place? <laughs> it turns out it's because of the peppers. Um, uh, oh. <laughs> uh, and and uh, they are also, as it turns out, afraid of antelope. Uh, pronghorn. Uh, we're not really sure why. And <laughs> 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 uh, They see one of those things coming. They jump right up in the air. Sometimes they forget to flap. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. You know, because when they put the scales out, like we've been talking about, when they when they flare their scales, the, the mechanism by which that is accomplished is an inflationary one. And so when you have a dragon on a hillside that flares itself up and loses track of its balance, it's going to bounce down the hill like a very large <laughs> beach ball. <laughs> <laughs> and if a pronghorn just kind of happens to be standing there, yeah, pretty soon it looks like the ball pit at a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that or a beach volleyball game between some people who have been in, who have been imbibing heavily. <laughs> I know all about that down here in Florida. See that all yep. the time. Yeah. Well, I, had, I had a question for Mr. Shorts before we close up the show, and that is about, we haven't really talked about the baby dragons. But I've seen lots of pictures, and oh my god, they're so cute. Baby dragons are ridiculously cute. They're adorable. Yep. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. And I read that they're sort of like alligators and crocodiles, that the moms sort of not really take care of them, but they sort of supervise them until they're kind of big enough to take care of themselves and not get eaten by other animals. <laughs> but is that so? Or do, do the mom dragons basically, ha are they talons off so to speak or or do they do anything to kind of help ensure their survival other than just sort of being there and being menacing well at, when, a, when a baby dragon's born it doesn't have the teeth for 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 chewing up um uh, trees yeah or any other sort right. of lumber uh so the the the, the, the mother woko and and in fact both parents will um dragons tend to live in colonies uh, oh. They have a reputation for being solitary, but that's usually the old ones um, that that get into trouble, or or the ones that get driven off. Um, ah. 
So what they do is they, they, they bring back wood and they chew it up and they make sawdust. So that the baby dragons have something to eat. Oh, that's oh, nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. And I ended up replacing about 5,000 railroad ties. <laughs> <laughs> they like the tar. <laughs> well, wow. How, how, does, how do you work it with... Um, I hate to extend us and make us go too long, but I'm just super curious. The jackalopes are explosive, yeah. right? And the unicorns are constantly bamfing in and out of, you know, perceived reality yeah. and stuff. How do you keep track of all this? Yeah, also the unicorns have big, sharp horns. Yeah, for real. How, how do you keep track of all these? How do you keep them separate? I mean, I can't imagine with how how mischievous we remember baby unicorns are with baby dragons in the mix that sounds like a really bad idea to have those two things together in the holy same moly place. yes You're well we, we we uh the dragons well part of the thing about unicorns is they don't particularly like the dark and right. when dragons lay their clutches they tend to do it in caves and we have a lot of abandoned mines around here Oh, okay. okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot of that. Now, if we could just stop getting stop eating the timbers and collapsing them on themselves, we'd be fine. Um, <laughs> but the landscape's fairly broken up, which gives it you know we can put some up one canyon and some, but you know half the things can fly, and the other half basically Schrodinger's unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> they're here and they ain't, but they will. Um, so far, the biggest issue that we've had has actually been the, uh, the, the the dragons attempting to eat the unicorns. And the unicorns have discovered that it is not difficult to bait a dragon, which is incredibly single-minded in its pursuit of something <laughs> that looks shiny. Sure. <laughs> and when this something can, you know, effectively be in two places at once and then decide after the fact which space it wants to occupy, what you end up with is a game of, well, a very large game of cat and mouse, <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, the, the jackalopes basically just sit there and watch because they can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, can't blame. I can't blame them. <laughs> oh, that was so fun! Thank you so much for coming on our show again, Mister Short. Yeah, thanks, boy. It's a busy life down on the ranch. We really appreciate having you having you here again. I, that little three-hour window when the when the internet works in your area of the world—it's it's nice that you spend some of that time with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's a, it's it's always a pleasure and talking about <laughs> you know animals that are inclined to defy the laws of physics in various ways. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's amazing we have somebody that actually ranches them and knows something about them. It's really cool when we can get an ep- expert on. So thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. Well, thanks everybody again for listening. This episode has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod. We want to thank you, the Patreon supporter. We will always give this podcast away for free, but you have seen fit to give us a little bit of money every month so that we can keep it going and and give our fans some merch and pay for hosting and all that good stuff. So we really do appreciate it. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Patreon supporters. (laughs) Hey, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger who wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmanspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. Who do we have today, Paul? Today we have Lincoln and Mason. They have something to say about dragons. 
Ooh, I can't wait. We are talking about dragons. Dragons are mythical creatures. What? They breathe what? fire, have wings, and fly. Yeah, well, we and got a rancher, dude. Mountains, and they sh- could live in caves. Who knows if they're real or not? They're real. Nobody knows. Oh, okay. Edit. Okay. Do you want to say what your favorite thing is about dragons? <laughs> Do you want to say it? Um, What's your favorite thing about dragons? Is that they breathe fire. They breathe fire. And what else? Yeah. That's and they can fly. And yeah. they can fly. Do you and wish you can fly? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so what else? Well, I like them because their tail is long. Their tail is long. Good job. And their body. Mm-hmm. Their body is like um big. Don't big. Yep. Sounds about right. The body's big. Yep. And I think dragons are super cool because only if they're real, I would have one. I'd be the first one in line to have one. But you probably need a dangerous animal license, and you need to be a zookeeper or be qualified or have handled dangerous animals before. Well, yeah. Mr. Shorts knows all about that. Yeah. yeah. You, have to be, you have to be qualified or you get disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks, Mason and Lincoln. Yeah, that thanks, was awesome. guys. Thanks for coming on our show. All right, goodbye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time, be nice to animals, especially dragons. My word. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.